Acts chapter 1 verse 14. These all continued with one accord in... Say it, Brother Matt. Prayer. Prayer. What was that? Prayer. Okay. And supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Now, if you're familiar with chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Acts, you know this is the description of the birth of the church. This is day of Pentecost kind of stuff. This is what we love to preach about. We love to sing about. We love to shout about. We just had Pentecost Sunday, right? You don't get Pentecost without prayer. And there's a word that we read here that I want to key on tonight, and it's the word supplication. Boy, that's a good King James word right there. Good old KJV. Everybody say it, supplication. supplication. The ministry of supplication. You may be seated tonight. This is a concept that I feel the Lord wants to, to challenge us to embrace. Several, probably I'd say a couple months ago, definitely several weeks ago, I began to really dig into and study in prayer more on the gifts of the Spirit. Several years ago while I was pastor, I was also the Missouri District Prayer Coordinator. And so, you know, as the prayer coordinator, you're expected to be an expert on prayer. <laughs> right? And somebody asked me one time, what qualified you for this? And I said, well, I've been in need a lot. <laughs> hey, when you're in need, you go to your knees, right? And I've watched God do some amazing things through the power of prayer. And, and, you know, digging into, I wanted to know, I was like, Lord, I want to know more about what triggers the gifts to operate. What's the one thing, the key, that if this happens, you can just almost guarantee there's going to be a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, faith, a miracle, healing. Go on down the line there, brother, and people will say, church was so good Wednesday night, we had tongues and interpretation. Right? How many of y'all said something like that? Right? Well, I, I just, let me go ahead and just throw this out there. We better not elevate tongues and interpretation over all the rest of them. Because sometimes we need a word of wisdom. And it may look like somebody coming directly to you. It's not a moment for the whole church. It's this one-on-one -on -one moment where I, I was praying and, and God began to show me this and, and I feel like this is for you. And they have no idea that that's exactly what you've been praying for. That's how the gifts operate. So I was like, Lord, what is the one key element? If we're going to have the gifts of the Spirit operating in the church, what's one thing we have to have? And he led me to this verse. And it's the word supplication. So I'm going to treach tonight. Are you a treacher? Sometimes, time to time. Y'all know what a treacher is, right? Somebody who teaches and gets excited. Okay. The church has a responsibility to pray. Let's go back to the basics here. If we're not praying, we ain't staying. 
There's a book that will shake you to your core called Why Revival Tarries. Leonard Ravenhill. (laughs) Don't read it unless you want shook. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to give you four quotes out of this book. This book was published in 1959. Most of us, including me, wasn't even thought of then. Somebody just got elbowed on that one. Quote, no man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing, and the people who are not praying are straying. That's good preach right there, right? That's good preach. Now, now remember, 1959, you ready? Today, we seem more interested in having air-conditioned churches than prayer-conditioned churches. 1959, what would he say today? I, I, no, I'm not, that's a soapbox. I better not go there. By our attitude toward prayer, we tell God that what he began in the spirit, we can finish in the flesh. Man, that's good preaching. That's 1959. The tragedy of this late hour is that we have too many dead men in the pulpits giving too many dead sermons to too many dead saints. 1959. Huh. Leonard, if you thought that then, the number one kind of loan that we're doing right now is financing the purchase of vacated churches. UPC churches are growing. Busting at the seams. Y'all had 200 and how many on Easter? 200 and a bunch. Right? I'm not going to call the names of these other churches. I'm just going to tell you churches by the thousands are closing their doors because they're dead at the pew. And I would add dead at the pulpit but give me a praying pastor with praying folks in the pew and I'm telling you right now God is going to do the miraculous work and people are going to know hey that church is on fire down there they've got God moving down there if you need healing go down to that church I was in Boston earlier this year and I drove past a church building and it was a family dollar store now. Broke my heart. Church, we cannot stop praying every single day. Brother Matt, you were on it tonight. Prayer is where we get our breath from heaven at. If your soul is going to be alive, you've got to be praying. It's literally how your soul breathes. You know, speaking of us preachers, we get a good prayer meeting in, we don't need fancy illustrations. You, you, you don't need sermon.com. When you're going to the throne room, 
Why would I want to go to someone else's worn out message when I can go straight to him and say, what is thus saith the Lord for today? I've come to remind us that prayer must be our first option, not our last resort. First Timothy chapter two, verse one. Now this is Paul teaching the young man. I exhort therefore. Y'all know what exhort means? <laughs> that means to get up in his business, get serious, cry out. It also means to call to action. Paul ain't playing here. I exhort. I'm commanding. I'm calling. I'm begging. I'm pleading. Hear me. That first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And we know that word men is inclusive of ladies. First of all, don't miss this. Supplications, prayers. Don't forget to pray for people. What you just had going on down here, brother, y'all were meeting that verse. If Paul walked in in that moment, he'd be like, hey, yeah, they doing it. They listed. Yeah. Now, if you read down through chapter 2, Paul was, he was really exhorting them to live right. But it's as if he said, before I exhort you to live right, I need to exhort you to pray right. It's amazing what prayer will cure. What was that you said? If you're not praying, you're probably going to have a, I'm going to put words in your mouth here, okay? You're probably going to have a stinking attitude that day. Is that what you said? Pretty close? Yeah. You want to get rid of stinking thinking? Pray more. It works. Paul was calling the church to prayer. And, and, and I want you to know, you could look at the word intercession and be like, hey, that's prayer. And then he used the word prayer, which is prayer. And then he used the word supplications that we call prayer. It's like, hey, Paul, you use, use three different words to say the same thing. He's real good at that. So let's look at these exact words here. Let's start with the word prayers. It's as simple as a worship conversation with God. And what I love about this, and here's the reason why he broke it down this way, is because a prayer conversation, I don't know about you, but if I'm having a conversation with you, that means there comes a point in time where I shut up and let you do some talking. So this word prayer here is the two-way street kind of prayer. It's where you do talking and God does some talking. Whether it's through your spirit, your heart, or it's through his word. you got to give God a chance to say something. He's real good at talking. Right? Look what he created by talking. <laughs> he spoke everything into existence. He's real good with words. And he doesn't play around with words. If he says it, he's very intentional about it. Give him a chance to say something to you. It could be through a song. 
You'd be, you'd be, be praying, have a, have a song, a worship song playing, Waymaker, you know? Something playing in the background while you're trying to pray and focus, and all of a sudden one phrase in there just jumps all down in your gizzard and just gets you the... Did I tell y'all I'm from Arkansas? I feel really at home right now. I just realized I'm saying words I ain't said. I can't say this in St. Louis. They look at me funny. There's something about praying and the Holy Ghost starts working on the inside of you and you realize something's happening that wasn't happening five minutes ago. It's amazing what God can do in us if we will give him a chance. Intercessions. This is a very focused prayer for someone. In other words, you're going to bat for someone. God said, I looked for an intercessor, and I couldn't find one. So he became the intercessor. mm, Boy, that's a whole message right there I could get into. It's this idea of going between, bringing resolution. It's deep and powerful. But then he uses this word supplication, which it's really close to intercession. But it does have a little different twist to it, which is what spurred this whole message on. When I saw this, this is when it clicked. If we want gifts of the Spirit, this is what we got to have. You can have intercession and not be anywhere around the other person. They could be a thousand miles away and you can intercede for them. You, you can be by yourself and have prayers, which conversations with God. But I found something interesting about supplication. Now, I do believe you could, can be away from them. But I feel like the intent of the word, this is when you're praying with someone. Because the definition is to bind oneself to the cause of another. And it gives a really unique explanation. It's the same thing as signing a petition. You ever had somebody, maybe you go to the mall, and then people standing there, hey, will you sign this petition? Like, well, I don't even know what you're petitioning. Well, we're complaining about whatever. (laughs) You know, I don't know. Think of a petition. It's going around. They're going to sign it, right? They want you to sign your name to it. Why do they want you to sign your name? Because some petitions can be legally binding. In other words, you're given, in some petitions, you're actually giving them the right for a judge to call you to a witness stand. Now, they're not all that way, but there are some petitions that are that powerful. What you sign your name to, you may get to go to court and say, yep, that's me, I said that. I agree that this should happen. You're willing to sign on the line on behalf of another's cause. One of these ladies that came up for prayer. I think it was you. You were right over here. Come up for prayer. And somebody came up and they put their hand, I believe it was on your shoulder, I think, if I remember right. I caught that moment. They were signing their name to your cause. In that moment, their prayers were totally focused on her cause, her needs, right? First of all, Paul said, 
supplications. What would happen if we could turn our prayers from being self-focused all the time to saying, Lord, my brother needs a breakthrough. My brother needs a financial blessing. My sister needs this. And I bind myself to their cause. Let me show you what that is not. It's not this. Now this is a good, this is well-meaning. I'm not knocking this. This is good. We need to do this. But there's times you've done it. Lord, bless my brother. Give him strength today. Oh God, he needs it today, Lord. And you just keep walking. Right? I mean, that's good. You're like, well, he thought of me at least. Right? Right? You go back here. Lord, bless my sister. Give her strength today. God, I pray, Lord, you lift her up. Help her, Lord, that if there's any loneliness that's coming in her, God, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Bless her, Lord. And you turn and you go. Now, that was good. Nothing wrong with that. But let's be honest. There wasn't a whole lot of binding there. I wasn't binding myself to her cause. I was considerate of her cause. But what would happen if I got over here? Zeke, right? So Zeke, we're going to say he's got a need, okay? Lord Jesus... You see this situation that Zeke has. And I start praying and about five minutes later I'm still standing here praying. And somewhere in the middle of that prayer I've went into tongues. And I'm getting passionate. And he's over here crying. And I ain't letting go. And I'm not distracted by where I'm going to go eat afterwards. I'm not thinking about anybody else in the room. I am totally focused on his situation and his need. When that happens... And you know when that happens for you. When that happens for you, you have started supplicating. That's when we start supplicating. Now there's another definition, and, and I love this. The word supplicate, the way we have the word, is, is it was, I don't remember, I, I, I look back, I, want, I like to know when words started. Like how did they come up with that word? You know what I'm saying? Like, who thought of supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? Like, where do these words come from? This particular word, supplicate, I believe is an old Latin word that was supplicare. So instead of a T, there was an R, supplicare. Okay? Do y'all know what something is if it's uh, considered supple? Anybody ever use that word supple? Pliable? A little loose, right? Let's see here. This is very supple. It bends, it turns, right? Think about the bending plus the word care. I am bending with care. I'm bowing my head, bending my neck, bending my knee. How about this? Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. To put the weight of his burden on my shoulder in prayer. Where I start bending under the weight of it. Because I care for him. When we start doing that, folks, 
God says, now I can start working. Here's the deal. We're the body of Christ, right? Your physical body, if you broke your thumb, your thumb is not responsible for healing itself. Other parts of your body sends help. Oh, we, we, we need to go fight off infection. White blood cells, go to work. Right? We need calcium. Okay, we're going to get calcium from somewhere. We're going to send it up there. Your, the whole body responds to one broken spot. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. When the whole body starts responding to some place that needs the help or the healing, then healing can flow. It's not a coincidence. And he wasn't just throwing words around when he said, hey, you are the body of Christ. We're not all the same. We're members in particular. Somebody gets to be the spleen. Right? We all get to be something. Right now in this moment, I get to be the voice. But I'm not always the voice. Because I, I don't pastor anymore. I'm, I'm only the voice when I'm asked to be the voice. But every single time I walk into the house of God, and I don't know who this is for, but somebody needs to hear me real clear. I was asked, what's it like not being the pastor anymore? The way they asked the question, they were assuming that I was troubled by it. That I didn't like not being the pastor. <laughs> Brother... I told them, I said, I have never felt more liberty in my life to minister. Because now when I get to the house of God, I show up as a white blood cell. I show up as protein. I show up as something that God can use to help someone else. Why do you show up? What's your thought in showing up? Do you show up and say, okay, I'm here... Check the box, I'm good. Or do you show up, and even if you have a need, still show up. Wonder what my brother needs. Wonder what my sister needs. And in prayer, you get drawn to someone, and you start binding yourself to their cause. Maybe you don't even know their cause. But you start, you feel there's something there, and so you start, and you know, y'all know, you can be led by the Holy Ghost. You feel there's an unction, you just can't let go, of, you can't stop. Stay in it. Because as that starts happening, the Holy Ghost starts flowing and gifts start flowing. You may not even realize it and God is using the gift of faith through you. Again, tongues and interpretation gets all the attention, right? We don't give enough credit to all the other ones. Because it could be while you're praying with your brother or your sister, the gift of faith is operating. And their need starts getting met. That's supplication. The ministry of supplication is for everyone. This is why we say ministry is not just for those with the microphone in their hand. Ministry is the responsibility of all the church. What did Paul say? I exhort you that first of all, supplications. Acts chapter 1, the church was born through prayer and 
Can you imagine that prayer meeting? Woo! On the day of Pentecost, we thought they were all just sitting up there just having a good old time, right? No. Acts chapter 1 says they were supplicating. They were bending in care for the needs of others. They started praying one for another. If you've never studied the Azusa Street Revival, early 1900s, one of the main things that they had going all the time was prayer for others. You wonder why people were walking in lame and walking out healed? Because people were supplicating. My God, what would happen? Now, I, I'm on, maybe this is a little bit of a soapbox. And I, I don't, this must happen here, so that's why I'm gone it. It, it really bothers me when we have prayer time and people that I know have the Holy Ghost, people that I know have faith, just stay back here somewhere. They don't even go pray for somebody else in another pew. They just sit there. Don't you have the Holy Ghost? Don't you have some faith? Go pray for someone. Well, I don't know what to say. Exactly. Go do that. <laughs> now, wait a minute. What did Jesus say? He wasn't just referring to kings when they were in the presence of kings. It's the principle of the Holy Ghost will lead and guide you. The Holy Ghost will pray through you. The Holy Ghost will give you what to say in that moment and hour. Now, I'm just curious. And, and, and you may be, I don't know, I'm going to ask this question and let's just be honest in here. Who in here has given an interpretation before? Anybody? You given an interpretation? Okay, sir, you're not your head. You're not in your head, ma'am. No, you're not on your head. Okay. Well, get ready. Okay, <laughs> sir, you're not in your head. Question for you. Um, and you may not remember all this. Okay, the week leading up to it, did every day God give you a little bit of that so that you knew on that service when you walked in? Okay, I got my script ready. I've got my notes ready some point in time, somebody's going to speak in tongues and I'm going to stand up and say, okay, I got the message right here. Is that how that worked? Okay. How, how much sooner from the moment you started giving the interpretation did you get the word? So pretty much in the, basically the same day, same moment, same something, right? Huh. Who in here has given the tongues side of it before? Anybody? Tongues interpretation, you were the, the first tongues? Anybody want to admit you, that was you? We got finger pointing up here. Okay, all right. Um, the moment it happened for you, how much of it was pre-planned on your part? <laughs> oh, I love this. Well, I don't know what to go pray for somebody. I don't, I don't know what to say. Go. The gifts of the Spirit don't come pre-planned. You, you can't script them. Right? How many of y'all have ever spoken in tongues ever? Raise your hand. Right? Did you script it? No. That's how the gifts work. It's a sudden moment. Now, I have had it where maybe the day before I was praying about the upcoming church service, the Lord gave me a little something that I knew there would, it would... Some, but most of the time, it's in the service. It's spur of the moment. Right? 
That's why it's okay for us that if, if we may not have the exact thing to pray for somebody, but you just kind of feel drawn to someone. So now I'm going to give you the second part that is the key to supplication. Now, we've, found, we've, we've discovered that supplication, binding yourself to the needs of others, is, is where the Spirit can really start moving, okay? What prompts that? I asked the Lord, what would prompt that moment? Let's take it back another step. And what he showed me shook me. You know how we pray a lot of times. We want to move a God. Let, let's sing the right song so we can have a move of God. You know, something I've learned. Y'all, this ain't rocket science. There's water in this bottle, right? If I want the contents of this bottle to move, I got to move the bottle. How many of y'all showed up with Jesus? How many of y'all showed up with the Holy Ghost? If you want the contents to move, move the container. We're not going to have a move of God sitting dormant on a pew. I fully believe one of the main reasons we don't see the miracles like we should be seeing, it's not God's fault. It's because we are not stepping out in faith and going and praying for someone. We are not acting out our faith. We're just sitting waiting for something else to happen. What would happen in this service tonight if we would all say, you know what, I want God to move, so I'm going to start moving. That doesn't make God move. It tells God, I want you to move through me. So what would move us? This is the thing that shook me. You can sit down. It's, it, it was as if I heard the Lord say, what did I do when I saw people in need. Three examples in the Gospels. One of them, he was with a group of people. And there was a bunch of them sick. And it said he was moved with compassion. Another one, there was a leper that came to him. And it said he was moved with compassion and healed him. There was another time he was with a group of people. And he recognized they were going astray. They were sheep without a shepherd. And just because they didn't have a shepherd, it said he was moved with compassion. Folks, if we can't be moved with compassion toward the needs of other people, we can't call ourselves a Christian. Christian is Christ-like. If he's moved with compassion... Why aren't we? What would happen if we would allow just good old-fashioned love to move us? You, if you know, maybe there's a situation where you know somebody has a need. Do you not feel for them a little bit? What if it was you? What would happen if we would be moved out of...
out of our pews to go pray for someone because we know they have a need. So let's walk through this real quick. Again, the gifts of the Spirit are operating. Why? Because the church starts supplicating. Right? We start binding ourselves to the cause of others. We start bending and carrying their load. We commit to their victory. Well, what got us there? It's when we were moved with compassion. So the gifts of the Spirit operate because a church has compassion toward others. And if you look at 1 Corinthians, is it chapter 14? Let love be your highest goal. Before he goes into the talking about the operation of the gifts, he says we must have love. Man, what I was praying today for this church is that God would baptize y'all with fresh compassion. Help you have eyes to see people like he sees people. You don't just see what we want to judge but we see the brokenness in them. When somebody mouths off at you at the restaurant or something, you don't just hear the words you're saying, you realize it's because of all the pain they're carrying. You hear beyond their words. T.W. Barnes would always pray that prayer, God, give me a miracle mind to think like you think. Give me miracle eyes to see what you see. Give me miracle ears to hear how you hear, oh God. And give me a miracle mouth to speak what you want me to say. There's your prayer God to use. God, here's my hands. Help me to do what you want me to do. God, here's my feet. Order my steps with your word. If we would start every day with that, I promise you he will answer those prayers. And you'll find yourself in conversations with people where there's the next thing you know, they're going to start asking, hey, will you help me pray about something? You know what they just ask you to do? They ask you to bind yourself to their cause. And your compassion and your love draws you to them and you commit to praying for them. Next thing you know, you're giving them a word of encouragement, a word of wisdom. You start edifying them. There's your King James word. I'll give you the easy version of that word. Strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Anybody here need any strength tonight? Anybody need any encouragement? Does anybody need comfort? We have every need possible that we could ever need for the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. My Jesus, he taught it. I feel it stirring. I don't know what y'all been praying, but I feel it stirring right now. I'm off my notes and I, don't, I probably won't even go back to them. I feel this so strong. If we cannot commit ourselves to spending a little extra time focused on someone else's needs, we might as well shut the doors and dry up like all the other churches. But my God, what would happen? I kind of battled with this, this, how I was going to close this. And I say battle because there's sometimes telling these stories. I don't want to tell them because it makes me look like I'm something or I did something. This is pure God. Y'all got to know that. I was in a church service and there was a man, a lady sitting toward the back there. And, and uh, 
I mean, he had been worshiping all service and we had the altar call. Um, I, somebody had introduced me to him before church and I knew he was, uh, he's a minister in one of the churches. He's a strong apostolic man. But in the altar call, he was just standing there at his pew and he was white knuckling the pew. Y'all know what white knuckling means, right? It's where you grip it, right? But I was thinking it, it, it wasn't matching up to what was preached. It wasn't. You know, if you got somebody that's a full-blown sinner and you're preaching on sin, they're going to white-knuckle the pew, right? Well, that, I wasn't getting that vibe. I, something was off. Okay, well, Lord, lead me with compassion. Something's wrong. Something's not right with him. So I just go back there, and I went behind him. He didn't even know I was there. And I'm standing behind him, and I was just kind of praying, and I just started feeling love. Okay, when that happens, act on it. So I just put my hand, and I felt like I should put my hand right in the middle of his back. And when I did that, brother, immediately with, do y'all know what an imagination really is? Your imagination, it's the big screen in your brain. Okay, how many of y'all got an imagination? Anybody have an imagination? You got a big screen in your brain, right? Yeah, some of y'all have it tuned to the worry channel too much. Yeah. You got it on the what if channel. Well, what if this happens? Or what if that? Or what if no, no. Tune it into the God channel. Right? This is how visions and dreams work. Okay? God will use your imagination for visions. I was sitting, I was started praying for him. I felt love. And all of a sudden, I saw literally his heart pumping. And there, his aorta on the top of it was like, I could see it like scrunching down. Like something was really wrong. And so I just start praying about his heart condition. God, whatever's going on with his heart right now, Lord, just, because here's the deal. I didn't come up with that on my own. That's your first clue <laughs> that God's doing something. It's because you have a thought or you have a vision, you feel drawn to something that you know. You didn't create that moment. You didn't come up with that on your own. Okay? And I assure you, the devil is never going <laughs> to encourage you to bless someone okay so forget that right all right so i start praying about this and obviously i didn't come up with that on my own so i knew this must be god and so i start praying about it and all of a sudden this man he kind of he kind of jerked a little bit and he just kind of went whew, shook his head and he lifted his hands and started praying and then he kind of moving his shoulders a little bit and finally he he turned around and looked at me and goes well hey hey brother lovell i'm like what just happened? I mean, it was a definite change. And he, he gave me a big old hug and he started crying. He says, Brother Lovell, earlier this week, I had a heart attack. He said, I went to the doctor. They've scheduled me for an angiogram on Tuesday. I haven't told my wife yet. He said, I was having a heart attack while you were given the altar call. He said, I've, I've already had one this week. I know exactly what it feels like. It was happening. I was praying, dear God, don't let me die right now. It'll mess up the service. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, that's a pretty good prayer to pray. But if you're going to die, why not here, right? I mean, anyway, it's another whole story. He said, you laid your hand on my back. He said, when you did, he said, I felt like fire shoot into my heart. But it was like a different way. And he said, all of a sudden, all the pressure left, the pain left. He said, I, I can breathe. My, my chest is not hurt. He said, I think God just healed me. 
Now, I'll tell you this. I told him, I said, hey, listen, go to your appointment on Tuesday. Go to your appointment, then call me. Ain't nothing like doctor proof. Because they already had his EKG and they already had some of his other stuff. They'd already done an ultrasound. They knew what was wrong. His aorta was like 90% blocked. Guess what was 100% free on Tuesday? There's no way I could have done that on my own. All I did was be moved with compassion for a man that I could tell something wasn't right. It really was that simple. We make being used by God way too hard. And too many people think it has to only come from somebody with a microphone in their hand or, or with a minister license. No, 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 no. The entire body of Christ can minister through supplication. All you have to do is care enough to pray enough. I'm going to say it again. All you got to do is care enough to pray enough. Well, how much is enough? You'll know. Uh-huh. Because when you start praying for someone and you lay hands on them or you just get a hold of their hand, whatever the proper protocol for you is in that moment. Brother, God can do miracles. I've seen it. How are we doing on time? Are we good? Somebody here walked in here with a need, a medical need that you've been worried about. It's stressing you out. You don't know how it's going to get resolved. I felt that worry as I, was, as I was teaching here tonight. I want you to know you don't have to leave with that worry. But here's the deal. I'm not going to pray for you. God didn't bring me here tonight to walk in here and put on some kind of Holy Ghost show. What I felt compelled to do tonight in the Holy Ghost was simply move you from a place of just you and God to a place of you and others where the love of God can flow. And when love starts flowing, compassion starts moving people. People start supplicating, bending in care for another, binding yourself to the needs of another. God is going to move. Let's stand together. If you walked in here worried about some kind of medical situation, I don't want to embarrass you. You don't have to tell anybody what it is. I just want you to come up here.